Hey everybody, it's Terry McDougall with Marketing Mambo, and as usual, I am super excited about my guest today. Her name is Marissa Goldstein, and she has an amazing COVID lockdown story to tell about an entrepreneurial venture that she and her husband started in February of 2020. Her business is focused on family travel and adventure. So you can imagine that there was a huge pivot that was required for her business for them to continue given the timing of its launch. I mean, literally, they were launching this business at the end of February 2020. But the beautiful thing is that she's got a really cool success story on so many fronts to share. And it was a big thrill for me to have a conversation with her. I think you're going to find this episode to be really inspirational and positive, and I can't wait to share it. But before I do, if you find yourself at a crossroads, much like what Marissa and her husband found themselves, where things are looking a little bit dire, If you're finding yourself feeling like, I'm not sure what direction to go in with my career, but I know that I don't really like where I find myself right now, I want to encourage you to go to my website, terrybmcdougall.com, and set up a free, no-obligation exploratory call. And my intention is by the end of that call that you feel more positive and you have an idea of what positive direction you can go forward from, where you're going to feel more successful and more satisfied. Honestly, that is my mission in life is to help people expand that overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness. And if you want to work with me, that's great. But if you don't, If you walk away feeling more positive with a plan about what you're going to do next, and then you'll be happy and I'll be happy. Much like Marissa and her husband did when they pivoted and they got on a great path forward. Let's get you there too. And now, without further ado, let the Mambo begin. Welcome to Marketing Mambo with your host, Terry McDougall. It's the fun and fast podcast where we cha-cha-chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the globe. Everybody, it's Terry with Marketing Mambo, and I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. Marissa Goldstein is a marketer and world traveler turned serial social impact entrepreneur. And she is also the mom of not just one set of twins, but two sets of twins. And as if that's not enough, she is the co-founder of Rafi Nova, which she launched last year just before the pandemic lockdown started. So Marissa, welcome to Marketing Mambo. How are you? Hi, Terry. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really good to have you. And I cannot wait to have you share more about your story with our listeners. In my intro, it sounds pretty amazing, right? But I know that there's a lot more depth to your story. So let's start off by having you introduce us to what you're doing now and how you got here. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the mom to two sets of twins, which is my favorite thing to talk about. But when I'm not parenting, I am the co-founder and CEO of Rafi Nova, and my husband and I co-founded it together. 
We are based in Boston and also in Vietnam, which we'll get into, but we are a socially conscious lifestyle brand on a mission to get parents out for everyday adventures. So we launched in February as a travel accessories brand and had to pivot within, I think, two to three weeks after launch. We were heartbroken as many people across the country as the pandemic started to spread. And we decided that we were going to go into masks and we were going to go into them to donate them to frontliners. We knew how to wear masks because we've been wearing them in Vietnam for five years when we were living there because of the air pollution. We knew how to make masks and we knew how to get masks out. So we started with a goal to donate 10,000 masks to frontliners in order to help. And that was it. That was, there was no business there. It was all to help the community. And then people started asking us where they could buy them. So we decided to start selling them. And that's how our company really took off. We've donated over 200,000 masks in the last year. We've done over $8 million in sales in 2020. And we're really just getting started. And now, thankfully, as COVID, as there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we are repivoting, going back to what we started as a parenting brand to get families out for everyday adventures. So we're super excited for what's to come. And yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about the journey and and everything else that you want to know. Wow. Yeah. So there is so much there. And I'd like to go back to something that I didn't really talk about. I touched on the fact that you're a world traveler. And I think I saw in your bio that you had visited 50 different countries by the time that you were 20. So tell me about your love for travel and how did that get started? Yeah, I'd love to talk about this. So my parents also have a love for traveling that I think that they instilled in me. So growing up, I was um, privileged enough to be able to go on many different family trips. Whenever there was an opportunity with like a nonprofit, an organization or synagogue, the school, I was on all those service trips. I like always found a place, a trip to go on. So always loved traveling and really got to take advantage of it in high school and then in college and then met my husband. We actually met senior year of high school and we both did a gap year together in Israel and then traveled Europe that summer, but he also has that love of travel. And in our adult life post-college, whenever we had the opportunity, we traveled, we saved our money and we used it to go places. And we always did it on a budget, found creative ways to get places. And yeah, we just love like the sense of adventure, not even like, I'm not talking about, you know, skydiving and bungee jumping adventure, but just like going off the beaten path and trying to get to know communities where we are and try to really immerse ourselves in that culture. That's what really gets us excited. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, one thing that I didn't mention, and I noticed when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile is that we're both Maryland Terrapins. Ah, <laughs> I, yes. I actually got my MBA there and I saw you did your undergrad and it looked like you also did maybe a semester abroad in Australia. Yes, right? you did some good research yeah. there. Yeah, I did. Uh, so we did a gap year in Israel. Then I went to Maryland, did a semester in Australia. This feels like so long ago. Actually, quick side story. Neither of us have been back since we graduated in 2007. So that's like almost 15 years. And we're leaving tomorrow on a two week road trip with our kids because, you know, traveling with four toddlers in a minivan for two weeks just sounds like fun for everyone, doesn't it? It does sound like a little bit of fun for us, Um, but we're going to stop at Maryland for the first time in 15 years. Oh yeah. Great. Well, yeah, it's a pretty campus. I actually got married there in the chapel. Oh, so, uh, wow. You're like, so you're like a big UMD. Yeah. You know, I, my husband and I got married like a week and a half after I got out of business school. So, you know, it's kind of convenient. Um, yeah. We're already there. 
But well, tell me about some of your favorite places that you've been. Sure. So we did a six month, I guess you could call it sabbatical about 2013 or so. We were only a few years out of college and I convinced my husband that we should take a leave of absence and travel around the world for six months. At the time, all of our friends and family in America were like, you're crazy. Like nobody does that. You shouldn't do that. And as we were in all these countries, you'd meet so many Europeans, Australians, you know, people from all over the place. And this is what they do. They take time to find themselves, to learn, to grow, to connect. And it's so normal to take a year off. But I feel like in the U.S., it's something we we don't often get to do or do. But anyways, we did this around the world trip. And we spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and we fell in love with Vietnam and we met this expat family there. And we're like, your life seems so cool. We want to do this one day like you. And so we had this on our minds that we wanted to live in Vietnam and we made it happen. We decided to move over there and start a sourcing and manufacturing firm where we were based in Vietnam. So we can get more into that later, but some of our favorite places, of course, like everywhere in Vietnam, we love the whole country, but in this area called Sapa, which is in the Northern part of Vietnam. You have to take an overnight train, like a four hour bus, a motorbike to get there. And there's all these ethnic tribes and these beautiful rice terraces. And I just have such incredible memories with our first set of twins there. So that's one of our favorites, but we've spent time. I don't know. We've been to so many countries. It's hard to say what your favorites are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, let's go back to the beginning you said that you took time after you got out of college to travel around the world. But I think that you, at some point in your career, were working in marketing and communications. So what attracted you to working in marketing? So I was at the University of Maryland and I was a sophomore and I had no idea what I should major in and what I should do. I had so many friends that like knew they wanted pre-med or like speech and language, different, very specific roles. And I was like, I have no idea what I want to do, but I love, I love talking. I love communicating with people. I loved public speaking. And I just felt like that was something I was good at. And so I decided to major in communications, which at Maryland, it's a pretty broad major. I think you can have specific focuses, but mine was just general communications. And I did several internships. And looking back, that was one of the best things that you can do when you're in school is internships. It's such a great opportunity to dabble in different areas and learn so many things. So I interned at this communication center in Washington, DC, where they did media training. I interned at a PR firm. I got to do a lot of different cool things, but upon graduating, I wanted to get into public relations because I loved sales and I loved like talking with people and promoting and marketing. And so I just felt like that was like a great use of my skills. So I connected with a parent of someone from the school that I went to, Larry Rasky, who actually passed away at the beginning of March last year of COVID, but such an incredible visionary, very close with President Biden. And he took me under his wing and he hired me at his PR agency, Rasky Bearline. And I had no idea what I was doing. They put me on the energy and environment team. And I was like, I don't know anything, but you fake it till you make it, or you just continue to fake it. And 
I worked my butt off and I learned so much and it was okay. I was entry level account coordinator and looking back, like you want to be a sponge and, and work as hard as you can, especially in those beginning years. And then you can take that into something else. So I loved public relations and I loved communication. And then my next step was I wanted to get into sales. So I left after a few years and I went into sales and then decided that I wanted to get my MBA and brush up on some of like my financial skills so that I could eventually start my own business. So that's how I got to where I am. Oh yeah. Great. Great. And so talk to me about that moment when, I mean, I know that from an earlier conversation that you and I had that your husband had a background in manufacturing and then you had this background in marketing and communications and PR. How did it come about that you guys woke up and said, hey, let's start a business and not just start a business, but let's start a business in another country. (laughs) What did that look like? Yeah. So I think some people think we're crazy because we kind of just like, we're very decisive and we just make up these decisions and then we're like, let's do it. We don't always like think things through fully, but that's okay. In a lot of situations, sometimes it gets you into trouble, but I was at Babson getting my MBA and Adam was in a family business in the manufacturing space. It was domestic coding. So they did like powder, powder coding. I can't even remember that much about the business. Mm -hmm. And he was doing great and he was learning so much, but I kept being like, Adam, Adam, you got to go on your own. Come on. So I helped him come up with a name and a basic business model. I was like, I'm at Babson getting my MBA. I can write out your whole <laughs> business plan. And he's like, okay. So he just, he did it. He left the family business and he started Timrun. And the whole idea was to help us companies diversify from China and help them with their supply chain. And it was a very long learning experience. And, you know, so he was at it alone for maybe a year. And then I was like, you know what? I can really help with marketing and with, you know, sales. And I changed his whole business model after coming from BAPS. And I was like, let's go after consumer startups (laughs) and help them make products, which we learned it's not always best to go after startups in the manufacturing space because a lot of times, or like first time entrepreneurs, like you have this vision and you make the product, but you maybe you make a hundred units and you never go to production again. And yeah, it's better to work with like mid-sized companies, but anyways, we just did it. And then we decided, okay, let's go to Vietnam. So we went, we went several times, but when our first set of twins turned one, we went the next day and we just set up shop. I don't know. It's scary that we did that, but we made it work. (laughs) I can't think of the word. Well, (laughs) um, yeah, you you sure did have some chutzpah to travel to Vietnam with one-year-old twins. Yes. Gosh, I I don't have any twins. I have three kids, but I can't even imagine going with one one one-year-old, let alone twins. So Yeah. yeah, well, so what was that like? It was awesome. We lived in this great little expat enclave in Ho Chi Minh City, which is the most bustling city. You know, it's hard to cross the street. You've probably seen photos. There's like millions of motorbikes. There's a lot of air pollution, but it's bustling and there's so much innovation. There's new skyscrapers going up every single day. There's so much energy when you're there and we got to travel all the time. So we got there, we connected with the expat communities. We found a great nanny. We got the kids into a school there, like a international private school. And we were living the life. We made great friends, set up great contacts for our business. And yeah, we really enjoy being there. And it's been really hard the past year with COVID that we can't travel over there. But Vietnam's Mm -hmm. done an incredible job with COVID because they locked their borders. So we can't get in and neither can COVID. Yes. Yeah. So that was one of your earlier businesses. What brought you to found Rafi Nova? 
So we were in that area, Sapa, that I mentioned. There's actually a photo right behind my head with some of the ethnic women. And we were standing outside of this eco-friendly homestay that we were staying at. And there were all these ethnic women dressed in this very bright clothing, selling us like little elephants or like little tchotchkes. And all these tchotchkes had this textile on it that they were wearing for their clothing. And I looked at it and I was like, this is really beautiful. I want to learn more about this. So started talking to these women and learned that these, this textile is something that's from grandmother to granddaughter. And when they're not in the fields or on the farms, they're making this textile and it's starting to become extinct because machines are taking over. The younger generation doesn't want to sit there and do this textile. They want to like move to the cities and get higher paying jobs. And I just wanted to find a way to incorporate it into products that we could sell in the U S that would tell a story. I always wanted to create products that people would turn their head and be like, Oh, where's that from? Like not just another mm-hmm. black bag, you know? Yeah. And I wanted to find a way to support these women because I love like communities and connection. And so that was just one piece of it. The second one, we were in the factories every day, helping us brands make products, mostly backpacks, like diaper bags, weekender bags, et cetera. And we knew how to make them really well. So we we're like, mm-hmm. why aren't we making them ourselves? And the third yeah. thing is we we're traveling all the time. People look to us for tips and tricks on traveling with young kids and packing and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so all those things combined, we're like, we got to start our own brand. So mm-hmm. we started putting the pieces in place for Rafi Nova named after our two sets of twins, Raya, Effie, Noah, and Ava. And it took about a year and a half of planning and designing. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the production process on a product, it's like, it can take over a year from Mm -hmm. designing the product to finding the right materials, to all the sourcing, all the prototypes, and then the production and all the logistics, and then creating all the marketing around it and the branding. And then the pandemic hit and all that kind of fell to the wayside. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That had to be incredibly disappointing to be founding this travel business. And not only that, but to have the brand stand for family travel, right? You're taking your children around the world. And to me, it sounds super exciting, but obviously against the backdrop of COVID where there was so much uncertainty and no vaccine and questions in the early days about how it was spread and all of that, it must have been incredibly disappointing. The timing was right at the beginning of the lockdown, right? I mean, you you sort of were like coming up to that and getting ready to sort of put the pedal to the metal. Yeah, we moved back to Boston on January 30th, 2020 from Vietnam. All of our product arrived into our warehouse on February 16th and we launched and actually going back to some like old podcasts and things, news ones that I listened to and listening like when the beginning of the pandemic and how we talked about it and the preparation and all that stuff. And so it was around that time when word started to spread that it was coming to the US and I was pitching our story to different editors and nobody wanted to talk about family travel. And I was like, why doesn't anyone want to talk about family travel? This is such a cool story. No, Mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk about family travel. We want to talk about like how to prepare your home to stay home for a month or six months. So it was incredibly difficult and not only mentally, it was difficult, but financially we put all of our life savings and all of our money into our first production run. A first production run costs upwards of several hundred thousand dollars. So it was scary and we had no idea what we were going to do. We were trying to come up with anything creative. We were like, Maybe we can make ways to clean your home and put it in the pouch and sell the pouch. Like it was, Mm -hmm. we we were trying to come up with anything that would make our product relevant and it was really difficult. And then we decided to do masks and we're like, well, we'll donate the masks. We'll raise money to donate 10,000 masks. And then maybe people will down the line, will remember our brand. And in a month when this is all over, they can come and purchase our products, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's about 
being in the right place or the wrong place at the right time. And then obviously this pivot wouldn't have happened, at least at the speed that we did it, if we didn't have all those prior experiences and prior relationships. Not everybody could just say, I want 10,000 masks here and have them tomorrow. This is a year ago and be able to do all the logistics. So it was based on all of our past experiences. It really came together and, and it worked. I think that it's really quite incredible. And when I think back to that time, it's funny how it dawned on us over time that this isn't just going to be like a two week lockdown, right? I mean, we were kind of like, oh, well, maybe it'll be a month. Maybe by Easter, we'll be able to get out. We didn't know, right? (laughs) But I do also remember at some point realizing like, maybe I need to buy some masks and going out to Amazon. And I couldn't find any that weren't like $20. And I'm like, I don't really want to spend $20 on a mask, right? It took a while for the production lines to get up and running and for different organizations to be able to shift. You know, I bought a lot of masks from Old Navy, right? (laughs) And it's like, oh, okay, well, they just took some of the material they had for these blouses and just kind of that's what we all did in the early days. Yeah, 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 exactly. Available fabrics because the supply chains were all messed up, new fabrics and whatnot. But I think what we did, what we did well on, and what I'd like to kind of talk about a little bit, if that's okay, is that, you know, we were very early in the masks. I think we launched on our website on April 2nd. So a lot of the bigger companies didn't transition into masks for at least a month or two after that. So we were early, but then very early on, we realized that there was a need for other types of masks and not just like your traditional three-ply cotton masks. So for example, we saw a need for a clear panel mask. How that came about was that we were in our tent. We were working first in a garage, then it got too big, then in a tent. And we had a speech and language pathologist who was working with us. And I was saying something like, oh, I'm smiling right now, but you can't tell because I have this mask on. And she said, you know what? A lot of my clients are deaf and hard of hearing and they can't wear a mask. Let's come up with a solution. And so we came out with a solution for a clear panel mask. And we were one of the first to market with this mask. And we thought it was just for the deaf and hard of hearing community. But what we didn't realize was that thousands of schools around the country would buy these masks and rely on them for teaching young children or for teaching anyone that needs to see facial expressions. So that was one thing. And we actually did some interesting marketing that really got it out there to almost a place where it went viral. And then the second thing is we partnered with Easter Seals to create a mask for individuals with autism and with sensory sensitivities. And so what we're always looking at at our company is how can we make an impact? How can we create products and accessories that people need and that maybe other companies aren't addressing for certain groups of people. And so everything we do is about inclusivity and about impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, as a mom, I'm bothered sometimes when I'm out and I see a small child in a store or being pushed in a stroller or whatever, and I'm looking and I'm smiling at them, but they can't see it, right? right? Because for small children, and for many other people too, they take such cues from facial expressions and to not be able to see that part of me just worries a little bit about these poor little children that are having to make judgments or whatever, yeah. something safe, if this is a safe person, if this is somebody that likes me or whatever, just by looking at their eyes. Right. So yeah, it's a definitely strange time that we're living through. And that's so cool that you guys came up with that innovation. I absolutely love that. And that's such at the heart of good marketing is understanding what are the needs of my target audience and how can I innovate? Maybe they don't even know that they need it yet, but I'm sure that for many, when they saw that, they were like, hallelujah, this is something that we could really use. So you mentioned this really briefly in the the beginning when you were telling the overview of your story, but when we were talking originally, 
it really struck me about how dire your situation was there in the beginning where you had invested so much in these products, which are lovely products, but people don't need. And what it was like when you decided to make the masks and so forth. And it just sounds like it was kind of like, hey, you know, we don't know if there's a long-term need for these, but hey, it's something that we can do to just help in this moment. But I understand that you went to bed one night and you got up the next day and you were like, oh my gosh, (laughs) something has really shifted in our business here. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So I mentioned we had this whole campaign to donate 10,000 masks. We put the campaign on iFundWomen and we raised a few thousand dollars in the first couple of days. And then, as I mentioned, we got all these inquiries of people that were like, we can't find masks anywhere. Can you sell them to us? And so we took some masks, we put them on our face, we took some selfies, we put the photos, the low res photos on our website. Like it was not merchandised well on our website. And I posted in our local Facebook group. I'm from a town called Needham that's in Metro West of Boston. The group has, I don't know, 15,000 people posted on the Facebook group. I said, hi, I live in Needham. I have masks. I can deliver them within the next four or five days. Here's my website. The next morning I woke up and it had been shared like 500 times and there was like a thousand comments and we had $25,000 in sales on our website. Wow. And we were like, actually it was like $23,850. And we were like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> what? And I remember throughout that day, we had the Shopify app on our phones and my husband and I, we were outside with the kids and we had both of our phones like on loud, not on silent. And every second it was just like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. We're like, oh my God, oh my God. And then we look at each other and we're like, how are we going to fulfill these? Like, how do we print the labels? What do we do? Oh my God. And we figured out, we made it work, posted on the same Facebook group, help. We need some volunteers and not just volunteers. Like we were paying college kids that were home. Remember all the college kids Mm -hmm. got sent out from school. A lot of people got furloughed. So we were paying hourly. Please help us deliver. Like we had this great idea. We were going to deliver locally. We had like thousands of packages to deliver locally. Not a good use of funds. I thought it would be cheaper to just offer like free delivery. It's so complicated to figure out like all that stuff. So we ended up probably spending like four times the amount of what the shipping cost would be because we were delivering with all these college kids in our town. But that was the beginning. And I think not what led to the success, but like we didn't go into it at the beginning saying like, okay, we're going to create masks because people don't have masks and we can make money on them. And we can, you know, it it wasn't about Mm -hmm. that. I mean, business is about making money. It's also very much about doing good, but we went into it. Like there was a need and we could supply it and that's how it grew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really do. And I also like even the lesson that you learned about delivery, right? I mean, logistics is a really important part of so many of these businesses like Amazon and so forth. But it's interesting that you know, you tested something and you learned and you're like, no, I think maybe we'll use UPS next time. (laughs) Yeah. USPS. Um, We use USPS a lot. One more thing, Terry, is that very early on in the beginning, and this is something I've learned throughout my career and especially at business school, that day that we had that first $25,000 in sales, I knew that we needed to reinvest that money and we need to hire good people that could help us and that we could really create this business. So hired a publicist because PR is so important. Hired a digital marketing agency that could help us with like Facebook and Instagram ads. And hired, 
actually our head of customer service. Her name is Molly. Yesterday was her one year anniversary. She came as a delivery driver for us at the beginning. And then a few days in, I was so in over my head and she had customer service experience. I was like, you're hired full-time. Let's do this. And now she basically runs the company and she's incredible. So it's about hiring and finding great people. I really love that. And it sounds like things were moving so fast that you barely had time to even think about it. Totally. And you know, I don't know if there's ever been a product in the history where like there is a global pandemic and everyone needs this product. So we were lucky with that. It didn't even totally matter about like our messaging and, and all that stuff. It, it did it because it, we wanted to create this community and this brand. And so we were, but people were buying it because it was available at the beginning and it was just moving so quickly. So, yeah. And like I mentioned before, we, we had some like creative marketing and PR techniques that we use that really propelled the company. Yeah, that's so great. Well, can you share some of those? I can. I was waiting to see if you wanted me to share. Yeah, of course. This is a marketing podcast. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that we did, and we didn't do this at the beginning, but I, I want to put a disclaimer in here. As I mentioned, our company is all about making an impact, right? And so donating and supporting is like the most important thing to us. So we donated over 200,000 masks to date. At the beginning, we were donating to every fire station, police, hospitals, supermarkets, old age homes, et cetera. And what I found out early was that, you know, we were donating to a police department nearby. And because of my experience in PR, I called up the local news station and I was like, hi, I'm a mom to two sets of twins. I just uh, pivoted into masks, changed my company, and we're donating a hundred masks to the local police department. You want to come film it? And they'd say, we're sending a truck over in an hour. Now this doesn't happen anymore because this was like, they wanted some good news stories, you know? Well, I did that same trick like 20 times. And so the disclaimer was, I wasn't just donating for the PR story. It's a big part of our business, but I realized that people want good news and it works. And every single news story we got, we would get, you know, 10 to 20,000 visitors to our website. So, wow. Those were huge. Then we had to get more creative. So that was one of them. A second thing that we did, which was one of the best business decisions that we made was when we came out with the clear panel smile mask, we were looking for a celebrity who was deaf or hard of hearing that could really be the face of the mask. We found Millie Simmons, who's an incredible young, well, she's not that young, but she's 17 or 18 young actress from a quiet place. Mm-hmm. We reached out to her on Instagram and we said, we're making this mask. We'd love to collab with you. We want to donate a hundred percent of proceeds from the Millie mask to an organization of your choice. Do you want to partner with us? And she said, absolutely. I mean, because we were donating a hundred percent of the proceeds, like she couldn't say no, it was, it was a, a way to help and to give back. Mm-hmm. And it was supporting the deaf and hard of hearing community. So we asked her if she had any artwork, she had a painting that she painted her mom for mother's day. We put that artwork onto the mask and we came out with a limited edition Millie mask. We made a few hundred units and a hundred percent of the proceeds went to a charity of her choice. And she was interviewed on like CNN. They did this huge story on her about the mask. I think she was on good morning America. I can't even remember, but so many outlets and the mask exploded. And so that was a great way to get the mask, to get the product forefront and get someone to endorse it without having to pay really big money and to do good at the same time, because all the proceeds went to a charity. Wow, that's so great. I, I love how you were so strategic about obviously understanding how to use PR strategically, but also aligning it fully with the values of you and your husband and your company. And I think that people sense that too, when you're serious about doing good and obviously having a successful business enables you to do more of that giving back and 
I love what you're doing in terms of your investment in Vietnam as well, and kind of allowing the rest of the world in on this secret that you and your husband discovered when you were there. Like, wow, what cool textiles. Like, yeah. What can we do to share this? What can we do to collaborate and partner with these women to allow their art to be shared with others in the world? Well, so what do you foresee when you look forward about how you're going to go forward with your business? Because obviously you had sort of a plan, you had to pivot quickly based on this pandemic. And now hopefully maybe within the next year, things are going to get back to whatever the new normal looks like. What are you guys thinking you're going to do with your business? Yeah. And that new normal is happening quicker than actually we anticipated, which is a wonderful thing, but it's also a difficult thing when a majority of your revenue and your business is on masks. So we've been preparing for this for several months now, and we knew at the beginning it was going to be a short-lived thing. But what's really difficult now is that we have all these incredible customers. We have hundreds of thousands of customers. They know us as a mask company. You know, throughout the year, we've been putting in like, oh, we're this family brand and we have bags, we have accessories, we do all this stuff in Vietnam, but people know us as a mask company. So trying to convince the consumer that they should go from buying an $8 mask to a hundred plus dollar backpack or a pouch or something like that. It's a struggle. And it's, I mean, nothing that we can't handle, but it's, you know, we're totally changing the model and how we talk to our customers. And so it's a challenge and it's a challenge that we're moving forward with every single day here, but we are rebranding as it's a rebrand from what we started with, but products to get families out for everyday adventures. So Mm -hmm. we all know that post-pandemic and right now everyone is itching to get on an airplane and maybe not even an airplane, maybe drive your car like we're going to do 2,500 miles away to go on weekend camping trips or just to go on day trips to the zoo, you know, a family bike ride to the park and bringing a picnic. Everyone is itching for these everyday adventures. And so we want to create products and accessories for these everyday adventures. And that's what we're working on. And we're in the middle of multiple different product launches. Think outdoor mats, think sling bags, think belt bags, hats, different things that you would need for these everyday adventures. So we're very excited. And yeah, we're coming back. We're calling it Rafi Nova 2.0 post masks. And you'll be seeing a lot of us. Yeah, great. Well, you're getting me excited. I'm going to go out to your website after we get off the call and check it out and see what I might be able to do to accessorize my adventures. Actually, I have one more shot to get and then I'll be fully vaccinated. And I actually have a a trip planned in May and I can't wait to get out there because it has been a strange time we've been living through for sure. Well, Marissa, it has been such a pleasure to have you on. I am so inspired by the fact that you and your husband have approached the world in this really courageous and optimistic and opportunistic way. And and I absolutely love how you had certain things you enjoyed. You brought your own family life into the business. You believed that some of the things that you saw other people would be really interested in. And I just love how you, you went forward with optimism and a sense of fun and adventure, which I love. Thank you. I love how you kind of just summed that up. And I think that's the only way to do it. Like you got to move forward with optimism and you have to have a sense of fun and adventure. Life is short. You got to do what you love or you got to find the things that you love. Everyone has to work, of course, but do things that you're passionate about and find that passion, find that energy and and bring the optimism. Because if we're constantly pessimistic, life's just, it's not good. So put a smile on your face under that mask. And I think optimism is a really big thing. Yeah. 
Me too. And I thank you for sharing your story. It's been really inspiring to me, and I hope it will be inspiring to our listeners as well. So Marissa, where can people find you? So you can go to our website, www.rafinova.com. That's R-A-F-I-N-O-V-A. You can also follow us on Instagram, rafinova underscore go. And you can also follow our family adventures. We are going to be doing a lot of adventures in the coming months. We are twins on the go X2. We used to be twins on the go, and then we had another set of twins. So we had to add the X2 to it. So go check us out. And we're building an incredible community of families who love everyday adventures. And those are just everyday adventures. They don't need to be crazy adventures, just everyday adventures. Okay, great. So you don't have to go to Vietnam. You can just go to the zoo. Yes. (laughs) Okay. That's a good place to start for most of us. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Mambo. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, like, and share. I'd love to hear from you. Check out the show notes for my social media and contact information. Until next time, adios.